Well, good morning, Gateway family, and welcome to our Palm Sunday online service. Today, there's going to be worship, there's going to be teaching, and there's going to be prayer for the whole family to participate in. I just want to encourage you to connect with us. There's five different ways that you can connect with us, and these links will either be in the top right or below this video in the comments depending on which platform you're viewing on. First of all, we have our online connect card. If you want to connect with us and receive more information about Gateway, then please click on that link. We also have a prayer and praise online card. If you have a prayer request, we have people that will pray for you during this time. Or if you have a praise report of answered prayer, then please complete that and let us know the good news there as well. There's also a link to click for Gateway Kids. So if you have children at home and you want something for them to participate in during the service, don't forget to click on that link as well. Maybe at this season you feel isolated from other people in the church because we're not able to meet together. Then click on our Gateway Groups link and make sure that you get connected to one of our groups. It's true that most of our groups are not able to meet in person, but they're still able to meet online and our group leaders are still able to stay in contact with people in the church. What a fantastic way for you to receive pastoral care during this season of separation. And lastly, I just want to give a great big thank you to everyone in our Gateway family because you've been continuing to give of your tithes and offerings and even continuing to give into the vision offering over the last couple of weeks. Thank you so much. The church has been able to remain doing the things that we need to do during this season because of your giving. And if you want to give again today online, you can click on the Give link and follow our online giving. So let's just open with a word of prayer before we go into worship. Father, we gather together this day to lift high the name of Jesus, to hear your word speaking deep into our lives and to uphold one another in prayer. May your presence fill the room wherever this video is being watched. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go to worship now, church.
So part of God's story happened on a day we call Palm Sunday, and it begins like this. Remember how God sent his son Jesus to rescue us? Well, not everybody believed that Jesus was really God's son and the rescuer. But the ones who did believe in him did something pretty cool on Palm Sunday. It started just like any other day for Jesus. He was heading into Jerusalem with his disciples. But before they got there, Jesus did something surprising. He stopped and sent two of his disciples to go get a young donkey from a nearby village. He even told them exactly where the owner had last tied it up. They weren't sure why he needed the donkey, but they obeyed him. Kids, would you be willing to obey Jesus even if he asked you to do something you didn't understand? Anyway, when the disciples got back with the donkey, they threw their coats on its back like a saddle and Jesus climbed up. Pretty soon, the disciples saw why Jesus needed it. See, crowds of people came to the road and started laying coats and tree branches to make a path for Jesus. When this happened, many people recognized that Jesus was a king. Only kings came into a city like this. So Jesus rode the donkey, like he was a one-man parade. And the crowds praised Jesus by yelling things like, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and peace in heaven and glory in the highest, because they believed Jesus was the rescuer. But remember how some people didn't believe Jesus was God's son? Well, they told Jesus to make everybody stop yelling. They didn't think Jesus deserved to be treated like a king. You know what Jesus said? He told them, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. Well, the people who didn't believe in Jesus didn't like thinking about people or rocks praising him. And that made Jesus sad. He actually started crying. And not just crying, weeping. Here, the people were standing next to the rescuer they'd been wanting and waiting for their whole lives. And they were missing it. But even though Jesus cried, Palm Sunday isn't a sad story. Easter is all about Jesus' amazing rescue, and Palm Sunday is a reminder of just how special that rescue is, and how much Jesus loves everyone. And that's the story of Palm Sunday. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Jesus was traveling. He sent his disciples to get a donkey. People spread coats and branches on the road. They praised Jesus. Some people didn't recognize that he was the king. That made Jesus sad. He had come to rescue them. A few days later, he would show just how much he loves us. Good morning, church, and welcome to our special Palm Sunday service. I'm so excited to be speaking to you guys this morning. Uh, from where you're at, in your homes, with your families, gathered around your TVs or computers. And I'm just really excited because... I feel like God has given me this message to speak with you guys, a message of hope. You know, in light of everything going on in the world right now with COVID-19, I know there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety and there's just a lot of craziness going on. Like, people are stockpiling everything they can get. Like, for some reason, we have people buying food and, and sanitizing wipes and Purell, but for some strange reason, people are also, like, stockpiling toilet paper because an auto or respiratory disease will cause some kind of issue with your bowels. I don't know. I don't get it. But it's, it's, there's a lot of craziness in the world right now. And in light of that, in light of all the fear and in light of all the anxiety, I want to share a message this morning uh, of hope. In the midst of all of this chaos, a message of hope called the promise in the problems. So I want to start us off, though, this morning with a personal story that this actually just happened to me um, this past week uh, with my wife, Kim. So my wife, she has an autoimmune disease. So this whole time has been a little bit nerve-wracking for me and for her because we're 
I constantly am trying to keep her as safe as possible and as contained as possible. So she's currently going a little bit stir crazy at home um, because she's been working from home and uh, she hasn't been going out to the stores or anything. Uh, so recently, this this past week's Monday, I went out to go buy gro- groceries like I, I typically do for her. Um, but this week, I was like, my wife, she's cooped up. I want to do something special for her. And so I was like, I'm going to try and find something for her at the store. And, 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 I, and I go into a superstore, and um, I'm looking around. And as I'm going through the store, I, I spot these beautiful flowers, these, these beautiful tulips. And it's like, oh, she doesn't love flowers, but she does love when I think about her and, and pick her something up special for her. So I was like, I'm going to pick her up some flowers. And I, I'm going through my shopping, and, and it's great because uh, I'm trying to keep her safe. So I'm like hooded up. I've got, my, I've got a huge hoodie on, hood up, toque on. I've got a massive ski jacket on with hood up, gloves on. I'm sure the security guards thought I was like about to rob the place or something. But, but I'm going through, and I buy these flowers, and I'm like so excited because I, I saw these flowers, and I hoped that they would bring a bit of joy into her life, that I hoped that they would be the, these beautiful flowers that, that would bring a bit of life into our house and a bit of color into our house and, and just spice up our, our home. And, and, and I, I hoped that they'd be this beautiful reminder of just how much I loved my wife. And um, needless to say, I buy the flowers, I get home, I disinfect all of our groceries, put it all away, and I, I put the flowers in, in a vase and uh, it was March break at this point, so my wife was still asleep, and I was like, okay, I, I'm excited to share them, and I'm like, looking, and she's still asleep, and so I put them in a vase on her table, and I, I was so excited and hoped that they would last for days, but by the time my wife woke up and came out to look at them, the flowers had gone from being these beautiful tulips that were kind of like perched like this over to being completely snapped and dead on the side of the vase. Maybe I just don't know how to handle flowers or keep cut flowers alive. Maybe I just am not experienced in this way. But in a matter of hours, the flowers that I'd bought hoping to last for days and days and days had died. And it just crushed my hopes in this moment. And in in the midst of it, my, my wife, she was a rock star, and she was like, Oh, hey, don't worry about it. It's, it's all good. It's, it's great. I love them anyways. Thank you so much for thinking about me. But, but in a matter of hours, my hope for these flowers had been completely crushed. And see, what I learned from this experience is, it, it's been a lesson that I've learned a lot throughout my life, but what I learned in that moment is that it's easy to give up hope. It's easy to lose hope and to give up when things don't go the way you want them to. Um, but, the reg- but regardless, even when things are going horribly wrong, you can still have hope regardless of the circumstances. See, despite what might be going on, it might, uh, you can still have hope. It might not be exactly the way you pictured it. Like I pictured these flowers lasting for days and days and days, and they died within hours. It might not be the way you pictured it, But even when things are going horribly wrong, you can still have hope. 
See, there's this classic Bible story that people like to tell at this time of year, since this is Palm Sunday, and telling the story of the original Palm Sunday, or the reason we celebrate Palm Sunday, which was when Jesus originally entered the city of Jerusalem um, about a week before the Passover or before he was crucified. And it's a story, it floats around this time of year. Um, A lot of churches are probably speaking on it right now. A a A lot of pastors are probably preaching on it, but it's from Matthew 21 Um, And so I'm going to read that for you guys. And it says in Matthew 21, it says, when they had come near Jesus, they are, when they had come near Jerusalem, they being Jesus and his disciples, and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now I'm going to pause there for a second, because I want you to picture this for a moment. Jesus and his disciples are walking up to Jerusalem. And out of nowhere, Jesus is like, hey, John, Peter, we don't know which disciples he he was talking to, but he's like, hey, you two, I want you to go to that town that you see way off in the distance. When you go there, make a right, and you're going to see a donkey and their colt. It's like, okay, that's pretty crazy that Jesus would know that, but I guess like he's son of God, so it makes sense. And and then the disciples are like, okay, we we can do that. And Jesus is like, and I want you to steal them for me. Ah, uh, what? See, this is like the equivalent of you being, you praying and being like, God, I'm struggling with this and this and this, and God, can you help? And just having that connection with God, and suddenly God's like, out of nowhere, you just hear this voice, and he's like, go to Walmart, aisle three, there's a $6,000 espresso machine, I want you to take it. What? And then it, it gets better, because he goes on and says, verse three, if anyone says anything to you, just say this. The Lord needs them, and they'll send you on your way. So wait, Jesus, you want me to steal a donkey? And then if anyone tries to stop me, just be like, yeah, no, no, no. You don't have to call the police. You just, just let me go, because the Lord needs them. It's like walking out the door with a $6,000 special machine security guard. Did you pay for that? No, no, no. But Jesus sent me to get this, uh, and he needs them. So just just let me leave. Like, that's crazy, right? But the story goes on, and it says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and apparently they didn't get stopped by the police or anything, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna! to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, it's this cool moment after Jesus and his disciples borrow a donkey in their colt. It's this cool moment of people coming around Jesus and worshiping. But, you know, I was reading the story recently in light of Palm Sunday and and speaking this morning. I, I was reading the story recently and I, I was struck by this question. See, I, I, I was wondering, why was the crowd there? Like, you read the story, it says how uh, don- disciples went and did Jesus directed, they brought the donkey and the colt, they put cloaks on them, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Why was there a crowd? Like, why was the, and why was the crowd worshiping Jesus? See, from our 21st century perspective, it's easy to be like, oh, well, he was the son of God. Of course they were worshiping him. Of course they were following him around. Of course there are people there like, yeah, Jesus, you're here. But this was 
a day and age where people thought he was just a really cool guy and a cool prophet. They didn't know he was the son of God. So why was there a crowd there worshiping him? And to make matters worse, if you look at the historical context at this time, you find that the nation of Israel, where Jesus was at this point in time, it was being occupied by the Roman Empire. And so, and, and, it, and it had been that way for just over 100 years. And, and so they were, they were captives to this enemy who had enslaved them, that was directing their way of life, that was saying, you can go here, but you can't go here. Hey, you need to hold my bag for, and walk a mile for me. Hey, you need to pay us taxes. They were, the Roman Empire was controlling everyday Jewish life, kind of like what we have right now with COVID-19, where people aren't supposed to go outside and things like that, except unlike now where it's like, hey, please don't go outside and spread the disease. It was like, hey, you break the rules, we might just kill you. You know, no big deal. And the nation of Israel at this point in time, they were captives. And you see, Israel, or the Jewish people, especially at this time, they were a very nationalistic people. They were very proud of being Jewish. They were very proud of their nation. And so them being in captivity was horrible. They constantly were looking to, to find their freedom, to fight for their freedom, to make a way, to have their own nation, to bring back the kingdom of David once again. They were like, God, set us free. God, send somebody to set us free. We just want this freedom. They're very nationalistic. And for hundreds of years, they had gone from captivity to captivity to captivity to captivity. And every time they fought for their freedom, they ended up in captivity just a few years later. 606 B.C., Israel was captured by Babylon. Then later on, Persia came in and wiped out Babylon, and Israel became captives of Persia. And then they fought for freedom, and then only a couple, or a couple um, decades later, Alexander the Great comes in, and the Greek empire just wipes out Israel and captures them. And then finally, Israel's like, fights for their freedom, and they get their freedom, and then they're free for 100 years, and then suddenly, Roman Empire comes in in um, 63 BC. And it's just this crazy story of just captivity after captivity, and Israel is yearning for freedom. And they were tired for captivity, but throughout their captivity, they had this hope. They had this hope that the promised Messiah, spoken of throughout the entire Old Testament, the promised Messiah would come and set them free. And with Jesus, some of these people were starting to wonder, hey, maybe this is the guy. M- maybe this is the guy that they talked about. Maybe this is the guy the prophets talked about, this guy who's going to come and he's going to set us free. And they're like, maybe God's promise is actually being fulfilled. So in the midst of their struggle, they looked at Jesus and they worshiped. But you know, once again, it's easy for us to look back and be like, of course they worshiped. He was the son of God. But once again, these people didn't know who Jesus really was. They knew that he did a lot of cool things. They knew that he performed a lot of miracles. A lot of people were healed. A lot of things he said. Um, He was very wise. He was a great teacher. A lot of people liked to follow him. But Jesus didn't have a crowd constantly following his every move everywhere he went. He had his 12 disciples, but he didn't always have a crowd. And so why, I still have to wonder, why was there this crowd there? Why was this crowd worshiping Jesus? Why was this crowd in the midst of everything going on all around them so excited and filled with hope because Jesus was coming? And to find the answer to that, we have to look at the story as it's found in the book of John. Um, 
and it's the same in John, the same thing happens in John 12. It talks about um, Jesus, he tells his disciples, get that colt. And they go and they get the donkey and her colt. And then he rides into town and people are like, Put laying palm branches in the street and cloaks in the street and shouting, Hosanna, Jesus, yay, Jesus is here. But same question arises, where did the crowd come from? And to the answer to this, you have to flip back one chapter to John 11, to the story of Lazarus. See, in the story of Lazarus, uh, essentially what happens is Jesus and his disciples are out and they're, they're just, they're, they're out ministering to people and this messenger comes. And Jesus was really close with this family, um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he's really close with this family. And he gets this message from the two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they're like, hey, our brother is dying. We know you're a healer. Please come heal him. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was like, okay. And he waited three days before going, which is kind of a crazy story. Like, why would Jesus wait when one of his friends is dying? Um, but that's for another time. But we find Jesus, he waits a couple days, and then they head to the town where Lazarus is. And when they get there, Mary and Martha are distraught because their brother has been dead for three days. And he, he's been he buried, he's in the tomb, and they're so upset, and they're like, Jesus, why didn't you come earlier? But we trust that you've got this. And Jesus, he, he, he's there and he's like, okay, roll back the stone. And they're like, well, Jesus, like, he's been in there a couple days. He's gonna stink. Are you sure about this? And Jesus is like, yeah, roll back the stone. And they roll back the stone and Jesus looks into the tomb and he's like, Lazarus, get up. And Lazarus gets up and he walks out of this tomb. It's this crazy story of a dead man coming to life because of Jesus' words. And what happened after that in the story in John 11 is people began to spread this rumor. Hey, Jesus is in this town. Hey, Jesus raised this dead guy to life. And they're like, hey, Jesus did this after three days. Because the common belief at this time was that a great prophet could raise somebody to life within the first three days because the spirit would like hang around the body and you could just tell the spirit, get back in the body. And it happened. But after three days, the spirit would go on to heaven or hell or wherever, it would, wherever they thought it would go. And the common belief was that only the Messiah could bring somebody back from the dead after three days. And so Jesus is in this town and after three days, he's like, Lazarus, get up. And Lazarus gets to life. And this crowd begins to hear about this miracle that has happened. And all these people are like, hey, we've got to check this out. A, we hear Jesus is pretty cool. He's a great teacher. We want to go see him. But B, we want to make sure that this is actually true. We want to see that Lazarus is actually alive and make sure that the rumor we're hearing is true. And so it says that this crowd began to form. And there was this festival And then next chapter, John 12, Jesus begins to head to Jerusalem and the crowd hears where he's going and they run ahead and they're like getting ahead of him and they cut down these palm branches and they're shouting, Hosanna, praise be to God. We worship you, Lord. Bring us the victory, Lord. Because they had hope. Hope in the midst of their hopeless situation. Hope because they had seen Jesus do it before with Lazarus. They expected that he could do it again and set them free from the Romans. And so they worshipped. In the midst of their problems, they rejoiced in the promise. You see, in the midst of our problems, we have a choice. Well, one, we can just choose to give in to fear and into worry. 
to give up and let the problems of the world just hammer us down, to, to watch Fox News and all of these different news channels that are constantly revolving around everything that's horrible in the world is just so anxiety-inducing because it's constantly bad news, bad news, bad news, war, fire, disease, all of this bad news. We can choose to, to give in to everything bad in the world and, and to live hopeless lives, to, to allow negative, negativity and hopelessness to rule our lives, or we can choose to trust in God, to trust that God is a father who loves and protects his children, to trust that God is our father who loves us and protects us. And in choosing to trust, um, to trust God, to remember what he has done before, to remember the things he has done in our lives before, to remember the promises he has made us, promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us, promises that no matter what comes against us, that he will turn it for our good. And in the midst of our problems, to rejoice in the promise. See, in the midst of our problems, our response determines who we put faith in. Do we put our faith in our fear and in the news and in our anxiety? Or do we put our faith in the God who has never failed us yet? who promises to always be there for us, who promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us, who promises that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. See, in the midst of their problems, they rejoiced in the promise. See, the reality is in the midst of COVID-19, midst of the constant news telling us how bad the world is getting, in the midst of all of the fear and everything um, and what-ifs of life, our response should be to rejoice to worship in the promise. Because there's always a promise in the midst of the problem. So what's your response? Will you give in to fear? Will you give in to worry? Will you give in to anxiety? Or will you rejoice in the promise that God has given us? Promise that he is our rock and our salvation. Promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Promise that he will always make a way for us. Promise that, he, that no matter what comes against us, he will use it for our good. See, no matter where you're at with this situation, what you're afraid of with COVID-19 or your finances or what, whatever it might be, no matter what is scaring you at this moment, you can trust that God's got you. You might not know how he's going to get you through this. You might not know what the world's going to look like next week. The, the Jewish people at this point in time, or at the point in time in that story, they thought that Jesus was going to come as a conquering hero to destroy the Roman Empire and set them free, but Jesus was more interested in setting them free from their sins. They didn't know why they should have hope in Jesus, yet they still rejoiced in the promise. They didn't know what it would look like, but yet they still had hope. So you may not know what your tomorrow will look like, but you can always rejoice in the promise because there's always a promise in the problem. You can rejoice in the promise that God is with you, that he will never leave you, that he's got you, that he's got your back, and that no matter what comes against you, he will use it for our good. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each and every person who's tuned in this morning, for each and every amazing person that you've created and that you love and that you care for, God. 
I just pray that in the midst of everything going on in this world, that we will have faith to trust that you have got us, that we won't be afraid, that we won't let fear rule our lives, but that we will rejoice in the promise that you are always there for us, that you will always be there for us, and that in the midst of our problems, we will hold on to the promise of better days to come. God, I thank you that you are making a way through this time and that you are always with us. pray this in your name. Amen. Well, hi again, church. I hope you enjoyed today's service and the Lord ministered to you in a powerful way. I just want to remind you that coming up this week, we have a watch party at 8 p.m. on Tuesday. In, instead of our Thursday night Bible study this week, it's going to be Friday night and it's going to be a special Good Friday service. And I want to encourage you to get your family together at 6 p.m. around the dinner table where we are going to take the Passover as we study the scriptures together. Friday, 6 p.m. And then, of course, on Sunday, it will be Easter Sunday for an extra special online service. Don't forget that you can connect with us, send us a prayer request, watch our Gateway Kids online content, or you can give with tithes and offerings, or give into our vision offering, or connect with a group leader at one of our links, either at the top right of the screen or below the video here in the comments. We look forward to seeing you again this week.